Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of At War, the podcast by the Comfort Law Centre. Today we are very happy to have with us Basil Mehdi. Basil Mehdi is an advocate of the Supreme Court and a senior partner at Mundari at Villarreal's. He is a graduate of Princeton University and Yale Law School and was counsel for Pakistan in the budget and Kishan Nambia disputes on the land disputes treaty. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome. So to start off with, and for the benefit of our viewers who might not know about the Interscholars Treaty, could you please just explain the core tenets of it, what it does, how it divides the borders of the Indus Basin between India and Pakistan? Well, the basic reason for the Indus Water Treaty is that when you had partition, there wasn't any agreement as to what to do with the water resources of the subcontinent. So, as you know, during the British uh, era, the development of the canal system was one of the main things that they were very proud of because a huge amount of area came under development and was became cultivable as a result of the canal. But um, there was no actual agreement. We just assumed that things would you know, continue as before and there would be some sort of you know uh, middle ground worked out. That didn't happen. What happened was instead that on 1st of April 1948, India actually stopped watering one of the canals. This in turn leads to sort of mass panic in Pakistan and the initiation of a dispute between India and Pakistan uh, as to how to settle this problem of who gets what amount of water particularly in the Punjab. And um, it then continued for many years. The World Bank, I think, got involved in 1953-54 based upon an article written by a gentleman called David Lenenthal who sort of posited this dispute between India and Pakistan as the equivalent of a giant flashpoint. Unfortunately, true. And then there's a huge amount of negotiation, and at that point, the basic idea is how are you going to how are you going to divide the water? Because India was the upstream riparian, Pakistan is the downstream riparian, and you know we needed to have the water, we needed to have security in terms of the flows of the water, and the question is how do you get that in terms of an agreement? And obviously, at the same time, Kashmir is a very much a live issue. So. Before we get to the division point, the fundamental issue is really quantum. And the point is how much water, who gets what amount of water. And Pakistan had all of the development, as I said, because the water used to come down and international recognizes the rights of a few existing state to continued usage of those waters. And the argument that Pakistan was saying was like, not only do we get the amount of water that we were using earlier, but we get the amount of water that you know, will result from the natural increase in those. And that debate goes on for a long time and ultimately the way that it is resolved is that they say, okay, there are six rivers, there's enough water in this basin for everybody. So they say, we take out of the six rivers, the flow of three of the waters that we go to India, those are the eastern rivers, and the remaining three we go to Pakistan. And this is quite often presented in sort of hyperbolic terms, particularly with regard to you Khan have sold out the country, which at least in my view is unjustified. If you look at it in terms of quantum, we got three of the rivers, but we got about 75 to 80% of the volume of the river. Yeah. And in addition to that, the treaty does two things which are very important. The multiple things. So it says, okay, these waters go to India, these waters come to Pakistan, and so that's a very simple, clear dividing line. Then on top of that, there is actually a positive covenant on India. So it says India shall let flow. So as compared to most treaties which are you know, somewhat wishy-washy, this is very, very clear. And then it actually has, which is unusual, two things are further things which are, it has an independent mechanism for deciding disputes, which is to say with intellectuals and 
and uh, order for arbitration. And it says what is also quite unusual is that this treaty will continue until both sides decide to set it aside. Now, again, this is unusual. So every effort was made to make this treaty as bulletproof as possible and to safeguard Pakistan's interests. So in simple term, the water is divided. That was the main issue. At that time, Pakistan's point was that a lot of the irrigation works you know, were on the Ravi and on King by the satellite in places like Bahawalpur. And Pakistan didn't have the money which would have had to rebuild. So the water that was coming was basically rivers like the Chenab and the Indus. So you had to build a series of link canals so that the water which is coming down then will flow across to places like Ravi and the lower rivers and gets used. So that infrastructure, the costing of that infrastructure, whether or not that infrastructure was necessary, is a main point which is negotiated at great length over you know the many years negotiation history of Thakur's water. But in simple terms, we get a certain amount of water as flow in these rivers, they get a certain amount of water, and we are just supposed to leave each other alone. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so this treaty has really been hailed as a success story in that it's lasted wars and so many decades of not great tensions between both of them. And I remember reading a lot about how Pakistan complained that actually got less of the water than it was entitled to, and Pakistan and India got more of it than it, it needed to satisfy its needs at that time. Um, but even just fast forwarding to the present day in the context of the dispute resolution mechanism and just trying to go into that in a bit more detail. The current dispute that we have between them is again about their building of hydroelectric dams on their side, on the rivers on their side. But this time they are very unhappy with the dispute resolution process and the, what they call the adoption of simultaneous parallel processes. So could you explain the issue with this and, and how has that come about? Okay. Just to take a step back first, in terms of the success of the treaty, I would say yes, it has been a phenomenally success, yeah. successful treaty because the primary issue is not something which is it just ever really been seriously debated. This is Pakistan water, that's India's water. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say Pakistan got less water than it should have. Well, you know, it's a question I've asked before in, in, in discussions that, you know, one of the staff competitions, the reason why Pakistan got three rebels is because we turned down five and we turned down four and then finally had the good sense to accept three. So if we had negotiated better, we could have had a marginally better deal. But we still got, as I said, 75 to 80% of the water. So I think people who say Pakistan didn't get the full extent of the water are perhaps you know, taking an unrealistic position. Okay. In terms of what the issue is, now when the treaty is, 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 is uh, negotiated, one of the issues which is actually looked at in some degree of detail is what kind of projects can India build. So India can build projects because obviously they can make electricity and they allow some degree of storage work as well. But Pakistan wanted to make sure that the types of projects that they build don't interfere in Pakistan security because we have in our mind this memory of the 1st of April 1948 when they shut down our war. So the number one objective behind all of the dam design provisions is to make sure that India lacks the ability to do that again. So India can use the water, but it has to design projects in such a way that its ability to control those waters is minimized. Yes. Now for a long time, this wasn't really a big deal. I think from 1960 to about, you know, uh, for at least a few decades, there isn't really any substantive issue because India doesn't build any projects. There are a couple of issues related to the Salal project where India then changed the design that needs problems. And then eventually this thing becomes sort of hot 
with the Baglihar project in for around about 2000 or so. And let, let me explain what the issue is. The rivers that come to Pakistan, Chenab, the Jhelum, the Indus, like these Himalayan rivers have a huge sediment load. So because they're coming down, you know, from you know, all of these valleys, they're carrying not just water, but a gigantic amount of mud. So you need to figure out a way to deal with that mud, because otherwise, if you build a simple reservoir, what happens is that the reservoir fills up with mud and quite often fairly quickly. And we know that, for example, in the case of Tarbela, that it is, you know, we're using storage space due to yeah. sediment. So in the case of Baglehar, what the Indians had done is that they had designed a project. And the project had outlets, so which were very low, which is now the treaty says in simple terms that if you're going to have the water go out of the project, the outlets need to be as high as possible. That's normally for, let's say, the two types of outlets in a project. The main one is called what's called a spillway. So when the water comes and the amount that doesn't go in for electricity generation has to be thrown back into the river. Okay. That's called the spillway. Yeah. And that has to be, uh, you know, has to have a very large capacity because floods are not sort of, you know, like simple like this. When you have summer flood, it goes up like, you know, mm -hmm. you get one. So normally your spillways are done for, you know, let's say a thousand year flood or a 10,000 year flood. You're trying to make sure that you can handle the absolute sort of worst case that anybody can think of. So we need to have outlets when the water goes up. Now, in addition to that, the treaty says that if you're going to have outlets for where the power intake is or other things like sediment, they need to be as high as possible and as small as possible, again, because we don't want India to control, um, you know, the flows of the river and have the ability to shut them down. In the case of Baglihat, they had given the spillway uh, something like 30 meters below uh, the top of the project. And there were a number of objections, but that was the single most important one. They said, we said, you can't have this. Okay. It doesn't, you know, this isn't in, this isn't consistent with the treaty. Mm -hmm. And um, they said, we needed to control sediment. Right. And we also needed to, we need, you know, outlets of a certain size because it has to pass the flood. And the reason why they're so far below is because uh, it has to control the sediment. Mm -hmm. Now that debate in turn turned into a question of do these outlets perform or do they not perform under the conditions stipulated in the treaty. And the, and the issue with this is that not India is storing a lot of load or not. Yes, it, think of it as a bathtub. Okay, or this if you, you know, uh, if I can just imagine that this is a bathtub. So if there is an outlet at the very bottom, then the entire height of the water can be controlled by India. Okay. Mm -hmm. The absolute best case from Pakistan's perspective is if there is no outlet, so this will fill up with water, mm -hmm. it will remain filled up and then it will just spill over. So if the outlet is here, let's okay. assume, then India only has the ability to control this much. So the question is, does India control this much or does India control ah. this much? Okay. That's the issue mm -hmm. because it then controls the extent to which it can control the reservoir. Now, the argument that Pakistan has presented is that, see, when it comes to rivers, summer and winter floods are hugely different. So, you know, uh, there's something like quite often like, let's say a factor of 10. Mm. So if you have the ability to draw down this reservoir all the way to the bottom, then in the winter, it's going to fill up very slowly. While it's filling up, Pakistan will get no water. Right. So what we don't want is for India to have the equivalent of a series of these reservoirs where you can turn the tap off and because water is not only about quantum, water is also 
is very important is timing and the treaty guarantees not just quantum it also guarantees timing so the most that India can you know so worst case for Pakistan in the treaty is that week to week the water is consistent but as you get closer to the line of control then for example the amount of water that comes in one day has to go out in one day so India can't change the timing either so India's response is, oh, well, we won't interfere. We haven't done this. That's not what the treaty says. And our point is, we don't want you to have the capacity to interfere. So the question was of India's capacity to interfere. That capacity turned into whether or not low-level outlets were justified. Whether or not the low-level outlets were justified, in turn, was the question of, are these low-level outlets actually useful in getting rid of sediment? And the answer to that is, so long as you keep the water level up, they don't perform any useful task. The way low-level outlets work to control sediment, and I'm sorry it's a bit technical, is that you you have this sort of giant lake, right? And there's a wall here, which is, let's assume this is the dam wall. And if the outlet is here, what you need to do is you need to turn your reservoir, which is a lake, back into a river. So then it flows. Okay. And when it flows, it scours away your sediment and takes it out. Ah, right? So they were saying, we have to do this thing with the sediment, and we're saying, right. you don't need to. And we're saying, you're not, they said, you know, we have this low level outlet because it will control the sediment. And our response was, well, you can't bring the water level down. You can't turn your, your lake into a river. Okay. So all you'll have is a hole right at the very bottom of your dam wall. And then we'll make a difference for 10 meters or 15 meters. But for example, in the case of Baglihar, the reservoir is something like 30 kilometers. Mm-hmm. So it's not affected, so it was useless. So our argument in Baglihar was, okay, this will make no difference to your sediment under the conditions of the treaty. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the outlet is of no use. Therefore, you have to get rid of it. And therefore, the design needs to change. Now, in the case of Baglihar, what happened was that the neutral expert was looking at it came up with a distinction which wasn't in the treaty. He said, okay, yeah. the treaty says you can't bring the water level down, but that's only for operation. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it for maintenance, you can do whatever you want. Now, that's how he justified the design in Baglihar. Now, that was very dangerous from Pakistan's perspective mm-hmm. because the term maintenance and how you're going to deal with it is not in the treaty. So you negotiate something for, let's say, a decade, and suddenly some random person comes along and says, well, I think this is a good idea, this is the way it should be. Right, right. So what Pakistan did was that it then identified this as a, let's say, legal question. When can you bring the water level down? Mm-hmm. And that was in the case of Kishanaga, which, you know, I leave the other aspects aside. And we took that question to a court of arbitration. The yeah. court of arbitration basically said what the neutral expert said was wrong. Right. And said, you can't bring the water level down. Sediment control is not something that the treaty recognizes as but the treaty actually says you can't bring the water level down except in the case of an unforeseen emergency. And it says sediment control is not an unforeseen emergency. So we're like, okay, you're stuck. Now, then put it try and put it into figures as to why this. Baglihar cost the Indians about $4 billion. Mm-hmm. If they could not control sediment, their final estimate was that it would fill up in about six years. So that's $4 billion, which goes poof in about six years. After the six years, what you have is a whole lot of mud going into um, you know, the, the intake, the power intake. And that makes the turbines not work properly and your project doesn't work properly. And that had already happened in the case of Salat. 
So the Indians were saying, okay, we need this because otherwise we can't make designs, we can't make dams. And our answer is, well, too bad, you signed up to this. The more sophisticated answer, and we had one, is that you could design your projects differently. And the Indians can. The only reason why they have this type of sediment control problem is because they insist on using designs which are not suited. Now, India, for example, has you know, a lot of projects on the side where they have China. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're taking those designs and they're copying them over here. But they don't have a treaty, for example, with Nepal dealing with this kind of design detail. They do with us. And our point is, you have different constraints with us. Why don't you acknowledge them? Mm-hmm. So, Baglayar happened, Kishanganga happens. And then the issue was, okay, we also had a problem with relation to the design of Kishanganga. Mm-hmm. And so we said, now that the legal issue is settled, the idea was we would then deal with the actual physical design. So, we won the legal aspect of Kishanganga in 2013, December. And then there is discussion between the parties. And the idea was, I mean, step back, sorry, again, this is complicated, and I apologize. The treaty has two types of ways in which to settle problems. Yeah. Technical problems go to a neutral expert. Legal problems and everything else goes to what's called a court of arbitration. So Pakistan had earlier said, okay, we have two legal questions, one of which was this drawdown issue. Those went to a court of arbitration. And the other question, they said, oh, we'll take it to a neutral expert afterwards, somebody technical. So what happened then was that in 2015, Pakistan changed its position and said, we want the rest of these questions to go to a court of arbitration as well. Mm-hmm. And the Indians immediately said, no, no, now we want you to go to a neutral expert. Right. And then nobody could decide what to do. So this matter went to the World Bank and the World Bank basically threw up its hands and said, um, why don't you guys sort it out? Mm-hmm. And nothing happened. And then about a year, I think a year and a half ago, finally the World Bank changed its mind and said, okay, instead of doing nothing on both fronts, what we'll do is we'll run both things simultaneously. And at that point, the Indians said, okay, this is not the way the treaty is supposed to work. You're supposed to go right, we're supposed to go left. You can't go in both directions. So India has refused to participate in the court of arbitration proceedings now pending, in which there are issues of dam design and various others. And there is an independent neutral expert proceeding in which the design of Kishinoga is also being looked at by a neutral expert. So you have two parallel proceedings going on. But there's nothing wrong with doing that under the treaty, technically. I mean, isn't India coming to it as if it's like an elastic doll and you, you kind of exhaust one and then you move to the other? The, the treaty is fairly clear and it's supposed to be one or the other. It says some things go here, some things go there. And if you can't decide, then the neutral expert decides as per, I think, Paris 7 and next year F. Mm-hmm. So the way that now the Court of Arbitration recently looked at this and they said, okay, we can also decide this. Right. But the reason we can also de- decide this is because India didn't ask for a neutral expert in time. Yes. Yeah. So they're saying, yes, you had the right to go to a neutral expert, but you didn't do it in time. Right. And this is this had also been done in the 2013 award, but they applied it now a lot more strictly. Mm-hmm. So, when India says we can't have parallel processes, it has a point. Oh, really? It's okay. not it's not that bad an argument, but it's more like okay, well, you had a right perhaps, but you have now waived that right, and you have no longer 
can insist on that way. Yeah, I mean, I take a bit of umbrage with the World Bank just sitting on this for so long, in the sense of um, that you have now, after a period of what, six, seven years, decided that, okay, let's, let's go about it like this. But also for India to accuse Pakistan of this, but we haven't done it. This is decided by the World Bank. I think it's more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. I um, was not in favor of the decision to go from the neutral expert to port arbitration. And there are different reasons. Um, I do think it's a technical question. I would have preferred that technical question to be looked at by a neutral expert because a neutral expert is basically going to give you almost like an equation. You know, and we had all the parts of the equation worked out. Mm-hmm. When it comes to... Because we were upset with the last neutral expert and India was so happy with what happened there. Yes, the, the yeah. quality of analysis on both sides has been, um, unfortunately, at least earlier, lacking in sophistication, mm-hmm. I would say. But when you go back to a new... You see, the argument as to whether or not the low-level outlet is justified, because India is not going to make an argument on the text of the treaty, it's going to say... Their emphasis, as there was in Bagnihar, as it was in Kishanganga around one, is to say, oh, we have to look at the overall picture. Do we have to have development? And for the sake of development, therefore, we need to have the ability to do this. Right? Right. Um, we disagree. We think this is a you know, treaty. We worked out all the things. Round one is ready. But I would have preferred not to go into a situation where a second court of arbitration has at least the potential to re-examine the first court of arbitration decision. Okay. That was my primary concern. Right, right. And also because we wasted so many years in mm-hmm. this. So um, as it is, we have succeeded and you know, congratulations to the legal team which has done that. Um, but you know, there are other more technical aspects that are, you know I think viewers will get even more bored by if I'm just to discuss yeah. so um so we have since uh, in January this year had a request by India to modify the treaty and under the treaty it can only be modified or abrogated by the treaty and Pakistan has responded to this in April but it's unclear I can really find out what we have said in response to whether we're going to sit in them and negotiate to, 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 to my understanding the response that we said was someone vague and said that why don't you tell us what you want sort of and we okay. can think of that etc right but there isn't any formal uh, mechanism or I I think the chances of Pakistan ever agreeing to a modification of the treaty are less than zero. Um, I wonder about that because you've been cooking and wondering about it for about eight years. So what do you think we should just let, like leave it alone? We should be cribbing and moaning is the first point. And and, and, um, look, we got, we got, we didn't get it perfect deal, but we got a pretty good deal in this agreement. We have a internationally recognized agreement which goes into great detail, which protects our rights to water, which has a verifiable mechanism with international parties. What I am worried about, you know, when India says, oh, we want to change this treaty, Mm -hmm. what I'm worried about is that India is going to turn around and say, oh, we we no longer accept the design limitations in the treaty. Right. And we're just not going to abide by them. Mm. It will accept the overall division of the waters, but that's what I'm scared about is going to happen because, you know, they will say, you know, you're going to get the water. What's your problem? 
So as long as you get the water, why do you care how we deal with it? And you know, you can't ask us to keep on building multi-billion dollar projects which are going to be uneconomical and we need this because we have to generate clean energy, etc, etc. And the world has a very limited appetite for our problems as we've seen with 5th of August, you know, yeah. you know 2019, India, you know, illegally annexed and occupied uh, part of Kashmir. Yeah. yeah. I don't see where the word global outrage is. So I think what they're trying to do is to build a case for that, mm -hmm. to say that, look, this, we've tried this, we spoke to them, we refuse to accept these proceedings, we're not participating, and these are all completely illegal. And um, I, you know, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a good chance that it winds up in those circumstances where India simply says, we no longer accept part of this treaty. And I think what they'll turn around and say is, you know, things have changed. Sediment is a different issue now than it was in the 1960s, which is, you know, arguable, even though I would disagree with it, but yes. So that's going to be, that will be a huge challenge to Pakistan, even when that happens, because mm -hmm. You know, it is very comforting for people who criticize the treaty to say, oh, you know, we didn't get this, we didn't get that. But it's you got a lot. Mm -hmm. It's only when you are in danger of losing the treaty that suddenly common sense kicks in. Oh, I think we like this treaty. Mm -hmm. Because we, I don't think we'll be able to force India to accept different yeah. terms. I mean, I think the major issue that we have is about the discrepancy weakness and how long it takes uh, for cases to be decided and the fact that then 80% is a fake country that we have finished, we are, you know, 65% constructed this dam and then that kind of psychologically has oh, a role in the In the case of Baglihar, there was a statement made on the record by the Indian lawyer that they would accept the outcome. But yes, psychologically it makes a difference, but that was partly at our own end. We were still learning in the very beginning as to how to expedite the process. There were a lot of attempts to try and resolve it bilaterally. In the case of Kishinganga, it actually went a lot quicker. Okay. And I think the fact that it got stuck up, because between 2015 and 2021-22, there is this strange thing. But we had an alternate option. We decided that no, you could not compromise on a position that's already taken. And I think that failure to accept the option which was on the record there is was a mistake. Mm. We wasted a number of years. Baglar itself, I mean, okay, long gone, but Kishinung has finished, it's active. So now we're in the unfortunate position of saying to, you know, the Court of Arbitration that the design of a fully functional hydroelectric multi-billion dollar project is contrary to the treaty and therefore the project should be destroyed. And yes, we're entitled to do that. The treaty expressly says that you don't require rights by a flux of time, mm -hmm. but practically it makes a difference. So yeah. if it has taken long, we have ourselves to blame in considerable part. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, just as a final question, do you think that the Indus border streams can endure the years to come, especially when we take into account climate change and population growth among all countries, India, Pakistan, both of which face the chance of being energy water source in the future? I don't think the treaty will be affected by that because the treaty's basic principle is these are your waters, these are our waters. We are both going to be affected by climate change. Right, we are yeah. both have burgeoning population in Pakistan, perhaps more so. So, and there are also, you know, simple technical things. Like, for example, if they want to divert, let's say, the Chenab or anything like that, it's quite difficult because the rivers flow through very mountainous areas and diversion is a gigantic thing. And it's not like 
We're not talking about a glass of water that you can pick up. You're talking about some of the biggest rivers on earth. Mm -hmm. And to divert them, you would have to do, you know, civil works of an enormous size. So there is those physical, technical constraints are also there. But even beyond that, the fact that climate change, maybe in the short term, I believe, is going to perhaps result in more water because of glacial melting. Mm -hmm. Long term, it's less water. Those are problems going to be felt equally on both sides. So you can't use them. Where I do think India is going to try and modify the treaty, as I said, they want Pakistan to loosen up our insistence on observance of the technical limitations of the treaty. And I think that's actually more on India because they are... Well, in order to affect this ability to... They have to ensure 9 QMAX flow water. Wouldn't that be affected by climate change? Well, um, if you're talking about 9 QMAX, where? I mean, in terms of the Kishnagamba uh, final award. In terms of the Kishnagamba final award, when you're talking about minimum flows, mm -hmm. if the flow is less than that, I think the award takes that into account. Like, the Kishnagamba flows vary from something like, you know, four or five to something like 30 plus, if I remember okay. offhand. Okay. So most of the time, giving that water is not a problem. Mm -hmm. And the reason why uh, we asked for, in fact, we made an environmental argument that minimum flows were necessary to the ecological integrity of the river, which is okay. a really interesting argument. But I will be surprised if there is a position where they actually have less than nine to pass on. But if they have less than nine to pass on and they pass it on, then that's all. And then one can't blame them, I would imagine. They can't come up with water from other places. Mm -hmm. So that's not yeah. a problem. I, I wonder about it in the sense of the saying after the UAE attack in 2016 that land and water can't flow together. Um, and then we've had statements from Indian officials recognizing that in the context of Kashmir, saying we're going to now make this water to Kashmir and print that as a badge which people um, so in, in that sense, if you had, if we go back to 1948, when they shut off those waters, if that happens, then get things for the treaty, I guess that would be a Well, I think, again, look, I'm saying, you take that hypothetical and mm -hmm. actually play with it, what could they do? Mm -hmm. You can't, these are very, very large amounts of water. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a giant flow of water, it's not like a tap can turn off. Yeah. It has to go somewhere. Right. So where would you divert it? Could they, for example, realistically, I think the only thing which I've ever seen which comes close to a potential you know, disaster of that magnitude would be a tunnel on the Chenab, mm -hmm. the Maru Tunnel, which was discussed back even in the late 50s. But short of that, their ability to interfere is, as I said, geographically limited. Mm -hmm. What they can do is they can, and this is why, well, let me add, one of the points I can deal with is, why is Pakistan so stressed about this? And the reason is because India isn't planning one project or two projects, planning something like 40 projects. Right. So there's right. a whole cascade of yeah. them. So once you have this cascade, and if you can open and close them, then you can slow down the water. The water will reach Pakistan, but maybe a month late mm -hmm. or two months late. And that puts our food security into trouble. Yeah. So that's really why we're in this. So it becomes a weapon, not in the way that people think that you will steal the water, but basically you will hold it up. Right. It's the ability to control the timing of the water, which is a more realistic weapon by India, mm -hmm. ultimately. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much what? for being told to wrap up. So, <laughs> I think the cameras are turning off. This is what we of course, I've come to understanding everything in the interest of this treaty. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for watching it.